football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Coleman. You have a very forceful handshake, Mr. Coleman. And Greg Thomas. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. It's the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, your podcast about the largest division of college football. We welcome you to podcast number 301. That's season 15, episode 24, or it's the podcast for January 19th of 2022. I'm Pat Coleman, the executive editor of D3Football.com. Hello. Hello. No, we have no Greg for this podcast. Greg was wise enough to get out of town for a while in January while I am... Well, I am in Minneapolis in January. We've got a special edition of the podcast. Uh, we're putting a number on it. This is number 301. We did a Hoopsville slash Around the Nation crossover episode last fall to talk about the meaning and the understandings and the reason behind the regional alignment. That moved us from four regions to six in football. And Dave McHugh, the host of Hoopsville, uh, and I have teamed up once again to tackle a couple of the big issues which involve football uh, that will be discussed possibly voted on at the upcoming NCAA convention. That annual convention is where a number of new policies and proposals get debated, get voted on. Sometimes they get dispensed with without a vote. Uh, there's some big things going on at the NCAA level and for Division Three as a whole. And if you want a two-hour, 13-minute version of these, uh, of these things, including a discussion of the new NCAA Constitution and more, I highly recommend you go to the Hoopsville podcast, which Dave hosts on d3hoops.com for super in-depth coverage and knowledge about all of those things. What Dave did was assemble a panel of Division Three athletic directors and a conference commissioner to talk about the items that are on the docket for discussion, and two of them pertain directly to football. That includes proposed changes to the Division Three uh, football rules on practices in the preseason, during the season, and then for practices during the spring. And it also includes the proposal to lower the number of teams needed for an automatic bid in any sport from seven to six. Both of those have a huge impact, and we'll hear the panel discuss them, and then you'll hear analysis from me and from Dave. But before we go any further, it seems like this is the time to mention that none of these things would take place without our Patreon subscribers. And that involves Hoopsville a little bit as well. Uh, Hoopsville would be in a much uh, more dire situation if D3Hoops.com were not still around because of the uh, generosity of our Patreon subscribers. And same with D3Football.com and with this podcast. Patreon is a service by which people can donate a small amount of money on a monthly basis to help people who create content continue to create that content. Think of it like a small monthly subscription fee, $3, $5, $10, $20, some people even $50 a month, uh, their generosity to make sure that these things still happen, that we are still covering news at the NCAA Division Three level. Uh, we cover this for football. Dave and I and Gordon Mann and the D3Hoops.com team covers those things for basketball. Jim Dixon covers Division Three baseball, all for our website. Uh, the other sports, other sports don't really have that. If there's an issue in Division Three field hockey, no one's talking about it unless we're talking about it right here uh, as part of uh, D3Sports.com. So 
Thankfully, you guys are helping us keep this thing alive. We greatly appreciate it. And you can continue to do so by going to patreon.com slash d3sports. I should mention that obviously there are other things that have happened in NCAA Division III football between our last podcast at the end of the season in which Mary Harden Baylor was crowned the 2021 Division III football national championship. Pete Fredenberg then retired as head coach of the University of Mary Harden Baylor. And who knows, by the time this uh, comes out or by the time you hear it, there may be another prominent uh, coach that has left as well. Uh, We keep hearing people talk about such things. When those things happen, you go to the d3football.com website. We'll uh, cover them there. And Greg will be back and we'll have another podcast, I hope, before the end of January. But our panel to discuss these big Division Three issues is as follows. Uh, it includes Stevie Baker Watson. She's the athletic director at DePauw. Brad Bankston, who's the commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Jason Fine, the athletic director at Bates and the co-chair of the NCAA Division Three Management Council. As well as Angel Mason, the athletic director at Barry and the chair of the Division Three Technology Committee and the NCAA Financial Committee. The proposed changes to Division Three football practices are fairly extensive and kind of complicated. And here's my attempt to try to shorten it and make some sense out of it to, uh, you know, people who are not involved in these sorts of things. So what it's going to do is it's going to extend the preseason acclimatization period from five days to six days. Um, This is a period in which, you know, student athletes come in, they do testing, that sort of thing, physical testing, before putting on pads and helmets and having contact. Uh, And in the past, that's been five days. They They would propose extending it to six. In the regular season, schools could not hold more than two days in a row of full contact practices. And any one of those practices could contain or cannot contain more than 75 minutes of contact. During a bye week, an institution can have up to three practices in full pads. And these rules about padded practices, no more than two days in a row, uh, apply in the preseason as well. Spring practice, which in Division Three is up to 16 days, depending on conference rules, they could have up to four days in helmets and shoulder pads. Now, there would still be no full contact. There wouldn't be any 11-on-11 contact drills. And the focus is intended to be on teaching individuals appropriate blocking and tackling. I have talked enough. Let's turn it over to the panel and Dave McHugh to discuss these proposed changes to Division Three football practices. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Football always seems to have something at the convention. I say that a bit tongue-in-cheek. This is a bit of a change in, in practice playing seasons. It regards, it comes out of the health and safety and, and obviously concussion uh, ex, uh, investigations, for lack of a better description, uh, that have been done. I, I'm kind of curious, I believe, if memory serves, you all have some role in football. How how does this, how, how big is this impact or what is this bill going to do and why is it maybe so important for the division? I'm not sure who to start with, so I kind of just throw that one out there for you guys. I'll go ahead and start. We'll get this moving. So I think it's really interesting uh, and it'll be a really good thing because we're starting to make more movement related to health and safety. The additional time for acclimatization, I think, is a great thing. The con to that is we're spending too much time only talking about acclimatization in football and we're not spending time talking about acclimatization in all these other sports that absolutely need it. So I am grateful, having been a proud member of CSMAS, 
to have been able to be part of all of these different conversations about acclimatization, but the association is more than just football and we need to start doing something about it. I think that there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna have an agreement with one thing, like what's gonna happen in the fall. So, you know, two days of padded practice during a regular year, that, that extra time for acclimatization. And right now where we're at in healthcare and the availability of athletic trainers and the pressure we're getting to provide medical care for our student athletes, I think folks are really gonna struggle. Those in our chair saying, yeah, we really want that to happen in the springtime. Even though we're gonna have student athletes. I mean, I've got student athletes that are on both sides of the camp of, man, that'd be really great, but I don't, I kind of like my spring experience right now. I don't know if I wanna move to that. But yet I think we're gonna feel pressure from the group to move that way if other people do. Otherwise it'll be used against us. So that I don't, I'm really hoping someone might choose to maybe split that uh, piece of legislation into two. Maybe the people who sponsored the legislation and maybe it might vote differently. Jason? I've heard that, I've heard that rumor today, yeah. maybe perhaps that that may happen. And, and oh. if that happens, um, Dave, the only thing I would say, and I'd, I'd hand it over to the two ADs, I, I'm just the, I'm the person who tries to implement the rules and make sure that people are, you know, kind of doing the things they're supposed to be doing on occasion. But I would say this is the this is the division's chance, the governance chance to say, put up or shut up in, in the spring space, right? We've heard it. We've talked about it ad nauseum. You know what? Let's put it out there and see what happens, see if it sticks. So if this thing split into a preseason traditional spring kind of vote, I think we're going to see support preseason, probably support traditional. And there's going to be a really interesting margin there of trying to figure out what happens in the spring, because I know our football coaches want it. I'm not 100 percent sure all of our administrators want it. And you know what? They're really odd reasons why some of it's space. It's like we move out of our locker room for, for the spring. We give that to lacrosse. We don't have space to put the equipment. We, we get our equipment reconditioned. Can we get through all of that? Yes. Is it worth the pain and suffering? I don't know. And that's up for all these other three, these ADs to make these decisions and their presidents to cast their ballots. So that's uh, that's that's my thought on it. I think it's put up or shut up in the spring. Though. And, the ver and the different reasons that you mentioned, um, you know, again, permeate the different types of institutions that we have. So, um, you know, and you could be looking at you could be looking at three different votes, you know, right. We could split this out three ways. Making my yeah, head hurt. I would absolutely echo that. I think if, if we have a, a, the ability to separate them out, then somebody, point no conference fingers, that <laughs> brought this forward were to separate these, then I think we would have some different, some different votes. And I think one of the things that me personally that I'm struggling with is how do I provide you know, equitable services to all of my athletes if this type of thing takes place in the spring? Right, just the sheer support for a program of that size, it is difficult to manage in a way to where everyone else is not a second-class citizen in their championship season. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and Brad, I find it interesting too, because Yodak was one of those conferences last year who tried to, who didn't try, did play all their fall in the spring on top of everything. So you, you talk about a lot of those conversations have already kind of taken place and it had nothing to do with practice. It had to do with obviously games and trying to find locker space and whatnot. Um, and, and some were able to do it. And some, as you said, just flat out said, there's no way. Um, and so I do see that's an interesting split. And I agree when I read through the legislation, I didn't consider 
that split idea, okay? There's one for the preseason and there's another version for the spring. Uh, quickly, Stevie, if could that happen? Or, or is it too late to make a change to that? Or can they split that and say, we're going to vote on just the preseason for football and we're going to talk about just the preseason for spring? Well, Jason will you know, be directing that up on the dais at that point in time. But whoever sponsors the legislation uh, more than likely would give a heads up to the national office that they were planning on uh, splitting that or supporting a split of that. And then we would literally, more than likely, we would know about it by the time we gather with most of our conferences sure. on the afternoon. And then it would be out there on the floor on, on Saturday for us to vote. Yeah. Sounds like there's been some really interesting conversation on that. So I'm excited I've, I've, what we might hear next week. Yeah, I've got a got a, a little got inkling heard. about that as well. And um, and then, you know, it has to be if this, then that, if this, then that. And right. that's usually when the chair, Steve has been in that position up on the on the dais, um, you know, has to kind of direct traffic. And of course, I, I don't know when the last time something got split into three, but of course it would be my year. So uh, yeah, it's easy though. It. It's easy because here's the best part about it. You make the motion and it's non-debatable. So yeah. it becomes a vote up or down. So the membership's either going to say, hey, we like it or we don't like it. You, you don't have to deal with, Jason, you're not going to have to have a lot of moving parts up there. It's going to be, all right, we got a motion in a second. Let's, you know, there's no debate. Let's vote and see where you want to whether you want to split. I think, I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think the greatest challenge will be that we're hearing from so many folks who are going to be virtual at the convention, and so we're going to miss those informal conversations of catch up with folks. Of have you heard this? Have you heard that? Have you heard that? So I'm hopeful that should that be the rumor mill coming out on a Friday afternoon in our conference meetings that folks folks are paying attention to that, so that way they're ready to vote on Saturday and they're not surprised. Quickly, how would it split three ways? I saw the two. What am I missing on the third? In season, moving to two days of padded practice. Oh, right. Contact. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I didn't consider that. So you have the, the preseason of football, you have the in-season adjustment, and you have the spring adjustment. Right. I, I forgot about all three. Thank you. Um, and, and by the way, funny comment, Brad, about football. I think the longest debates have been football items at the convention. Uh, Could yes, be equestrian, too. Could have been equestrian. Equestrian in 2020 was pretty brutal. Yeah, Angel, we've got some horses in that race. We got to keep we got to keep right. that conversation going today. <laughs> well played. Of course, equestrian up for debate about being a a, a, a a emerging sport. I come from a school that has equestrian, so I, I'm a little surprised it's taken this long. But I'm also not. So we we aren't going to dive into that one here. But I love how you pulled that one out. Very well done. I actually found the conversation about football practices more interesting than I than I realized. And, and I and I jokingly said, and they all agreed, almost every darn convention, there's some football topic that has to be decided on in Division Three. Some of those conversations, when I've been in the room, have been the longest and the most drawn out. Um, and, and originally, I don't think this was a topic I thought we needed to dive into. It seemed pretty straightforward to me. They, they revealed it's not, and it, it's far more complex, and I'll, I'll get to it later, but I, it also affects other sports possibly, but we'll get to that in a minute. Your reaction just initially on the complexity of just trying to get these practices for players. Well, I think one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons why football keeps coming back and there's conversations about it all the time is because, you know, um, and I'm coming at it from football-centric guy, right? Yeah. But, Football is treated inequitably at the division three level, right? Fair. We do not have uh, regular non-traditional segment practices. Uh, you know, we do not have, we have uh, 
an access ratio that is worse than the rest of the division three sports because we're capped at 32 teams yet we have you mean in the tournament right in the right. tournament right we have uh yet we have anywhere between 239 and 245 or whatever depending on the season plus or minus the nescac participating at any particular time right. um and yeah we the the practices thing and the practices the acclimation practices and you know doing away with or gradually, you know, eliminating the tradition of two a days, which was a big football thing for decades and decades and decades, which needed to happen for the health of the student athletes um, has been a long conversation. And some of these things have been brought up multiple times because they haven't been solved. And I think part of it, Dave, is because, you know, um, not quite half the division, a little bit more than half the division plays football, right? There's, you know, Jason Fine said, what, 460 schools. And that means that 220 of them don't play football and probably don't give a, you know, what in a lot of cases about the needs of football. Um, and I think in a lot of cases, you know, those are things that, that don't, so they get tabled or they get voted down because half of the membership just doesn't care. It doesn't affect them. And maybe some of them are anti-football. Maybe some of them aren't, I don't know, but I think that's why we keep revisiting these things. Yeah. And, and I think they realize, and I think it was hinted on, Sometimes decisions that are made for football have a trickle down to those other sports, whether you've got football or not, in a, in a good or bad way. I, I'm not trying to, to delineate, but I, I found it interesting because I think it was Stevie that said it. She along the lines of, you know, it's we're focused on these football practice things, and in reality, these need to also be true for other sports. You talk about two days, geez, two three a days were common when I played soccer. And in hindsight, what were we doing? Um, And I know that's had a slow trickle down to other sports to eliminate that stuff, but it started with football. So that's why football has become such a big conversation factor. There is a trickle down. I think some of those schools without football go, whoa, well, this is eventually coming for us, whether we like it or not. Maybe we can cut it off at the head. But that all said, it's interesting. I came away from that conversation thinking this is either going to get split and into two things, maybe three things, or get tabled altogether. <laughs> this is all over the place. And I think you certainly could deal with all of those uh, three things individually. And maybe, oh, absolutely. And maybe you do get different uh, answers for each of them. It is, listen, it's certainly uh, at some schools, having your football guys in pads in the, uh, in the non-traditional segment in the spring is going to be an issue because maybe indeed that football locker room is being used by lacrosse or something else in the spring. And if you're, you know, if you're just, if you're just having a non-padded practice, it's a little bit simpler to, you know, to prep for practice. If you need a hundred and whatever guys in pads, you need to, you need to have those things somewhere. And I was actually really good point about um, having to have uh, pads and then also helmets refurbished or, you know, uh, replenish those purchases. Those are things that happen in the off season. Right. So I could, uh, I could totally understand that. Um, athletic training yeah. staff and and fields and oh right I mean the I guys mean, could go back to their dorms and, and shower if they're not worrying about pads and stuff but you need to have trainers you need to have a field you need to have um even more things that we're not considering there you know assistant coaches who may be involved with other sports right there's a there's a litany of things here right part-time coaches who have uh, you know their full-time jobs elsewhere and need to yeah. make their money in the spring um you know I also think too that 
you know, you can get by, you can't get by without athletic training staff for sure. You can get by without some of your volunteer assistant coaches yes. in the spring for spring practices. I mean, we are already having 16 or so practices already as it is in the spring. And almost everybody is participating in some of those uh, in some number, if not everybody, all 16. So this, that in and of itself is not a big change. Um, I do think that, you know, we just saw in the spring of 2020, one, yes, 2021. Yeah. These years are all running together. Oh, I hear uh, (laughs) that. uh, You know, we, we saw, um, Teams participating in spring practice, a lot of them, I mean, a lot of uh, probably about um, a, uh, they were probably about a quarter of division three played a, a real number of games yeah. in the spring of 2021. So those kind of case studies are already out there. Case studies about uh, student athletes, well-being uh, yeah. can be done. They're already out there. I mean, Mary Harden Baylor won the national championship. They played a full five games in the spring. They played 15 games in the fall. Those kids played 20 games in the 2021 calendar year. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know how that affects people, yeah. uh, go look at that. Obviously Mary Harden Baylor has locker room space and they have field space yeah. and football is a priority for those guys yes. down in Texas. But, uh, you know, I think that, I'll, um, there's obviously some concerns, uh, you know, but you know, Angel Mason, I mean, Barry played a full spring schedule as well. Uh, DePaul played games in the spring, uh, in football in 2021, where a lot of the North coast athletic conference didn't. The ODAC played a full thing, as noted, and obviously the NESCAC did not. But I mean, all of those people uh, on that call have basically seen on that call. I've, I'm very corporate today. No, I hear you. <laughs> all those people on on your uh, um, on this uh, roundtable have all seen spring football happen. Yeah, I, I again, if it's broken into three, I agree with you. I could see votes going all over the place. I, this is not an educated uh, um, th- thought, but I could see the. Um, Preseason stuff passing, just trying to make sure that that, that everybody, especially in hot and humid condition, uh, are are doing the best for the student athlete. The in season one, I don't know. I could see a lot of pushback on that, trying to make sure that you don't lose what the coaches feel. I mean, when this was discussed with just the spring, and I'll get to that in a second, just the spring conversation about whether they should or shouldn't have pads and whether they should be, uh, it's a teaching tool or not a teaching tool. There were some coaches that said, we need this. We need to teach. We need to make them better, et cetera. And there were other coaches that said, if they're not good enough by now, it's too late. Um, well, and I come and you mentioned I'm in Minnesota. That's where John Gallardi really pioneered the whole concept of yeah. not, not tackling in practice, not having pads in practice. Um, and, you know, then, you know, the Ivy League has done this over the course of the past yes. several years, too much fanfare. Uh, even though John Gallardi invented the thing Um, and a lot of schools are doing it right. And it's, you know, my understanding, although I'm not an NFL expert, my understanding is that sort of thing is regulated at the NFL level. It is absolutely. Yeah. I think that, I think if you want to do something positive for the health and uh, welfare of student athletes, that's the thing to do. You do not need to have speaking as someone who's never coached football. (laughs) I just, with that caveat, I don't know that you need, uh, you need to have padded practices more than those couple of times a week that this thing is talking about. The second segment of this conversation involves the proposal to reduce the number of teams required for an automatic bid in a conference from seven teams where it currently stands to six. When you hear people in this segment, or anywhere, talk about an AQ, that is shorthand for an automatic qualifier, 
or an automatic bid to the playoffs. The other one I want to get to is is the reduction of the minimum amount of teams, schools, whatever you want to call it, needed programs for an, for an AQ. This one's got a couple twists to it, and I'm fascinated on your perspectives on it, and I'm, I don't know how to get all the way through it. But first off, the general point is to reduce the minimum of seven for an automatic qualifying bid to the NCAA tournament in any sport to six. That's for both multi-sport conferences and single-sport conferences. There's a few twists on it, including forming single sport conferences and how these will be voted on. I'll get to that part later. But first off, let me start with this idea of reducing to six. I understand. Listen, I, I don't. I, you guys can answer this question better. But it feels like that's coming from sports like baseball, maybe softball, um, men's volleyball, and field hockey. Others that that really don't have robust numbers. And geographically, it's hard to get a conference put together that's going to get you to the seven. Is that a fair representation of where this is coming from? I would actually, I'm, I don't know if I would necessarily present it that way. I mean, okay. I think if I go back and, you know, part of this, like you said, it's complex, like looking at the minimum number for a conference moving to six as opposed to seven, right? provides an opportunity for stability for people who are growing in that space. And I think that that's a, that's a good thing because really what we're talking about is access to championships for our student athletes, having an opportunity, right? It's not just about me putting a banner on the wall or Angel putting a banner on the wall. It's like being able to put those kids on a bus and send them someplace to be able to have that kind of experience in all of this. I mean, I think that, you know, Brad and Jason and I, in the last couple of years, when we've been sitting together on management council, there's there's been all kinds of waivers flying at us for all different kinds of reasons. And I think you get to a point where you're sort of like, okay, what's a valid reason? And can we just no longer see that waiver anymore by moving this to six type of thing? And can that provide some stability actually, right? Addition through subtraction in that kind of space. I think we're also individually making decisions on our campus about sports sponsorship because we're so enrollment driven in places. And that's not all of us. But there are some who are saying, you know what, like, I don't know if I should be playing baseball in the Northeast anymore, right? But when you make that decision individually as an institution, you're also affecting everybody else in your conference in that space. You know, we've seen an issue with women's golf in my, in my conference. And so to see that over the years, you know, another person drops, another person drops, someone makes a promise and then they, you know, Suddenly now it's a much harder path for my for my golf team, my women's golf team in particular, to try and get to a championship to an AQ. So I mean, I've got a little skin in the game on that one, but I think it's actually good from a stability standpoint. And Angel, you've got a really large sports sponsorship por portfolio for you at at Barry. How are you feeling about this? Yeah, I would say that I'm personally I'm in favor of it. Um, and I'm in favor of it because I think it will allow many of our conferences to have stronger conference alignment. I think it will remove some of the affiliate memberships because then conferences would be able to fully sponsor a sport towards an AQ um, on their own, which for many of our schools in Division III, um, financially, that could be helpful. Right. Uh, because of many of the affiliate memberships, because of, you know, having to go outside of your, your your traditional conference quite a bit, there's a heavy price tag to that many times. And trying to fulfill that, get the number of games you need, so on and so forth, can be difficult for schools. And as we try and look and I mean, my conference 
we have a good gamut of, of teams that we sponsor, uh, championships that we sponsor, and also levels of where our institutions are financially and otherwise. And it's important to consider all the schools as a part of your conference and what you're doing next. So for me, I, I'm in favor of it because I think it will help our conference be stronger. I think it gives us an opportunity to get closer to having a, a full AQ for some of our sports that, you know, right now are just smaller. Um, and if only one more school had to add a sport and they've been considering it, this would be what makes them turn around and do so. Instead of saying, well, okay, we'll add, but if we still don't get someone else for six, seven more years, we still don't have an AQ, right? So financially, is that one school willing to commit the next three, four, five, six years with their fingers crossed that it'll happen? I think uh, those, are, those are good points. And I'd say, you know, there's probably a flip side to that coin too. And I, I don't um, necessarily have a, a strong opinion either way, but just to, to represent that side of it, um, you know, sitting on a committee like the subcommittee for legislative relief, where you see a lot of waivers of these type of rules as conference alignment changes, as uh, institutions drop programs um, and some of the sports that, that you mentioned, Dave, you see a lot of waiver requests coming through from conferences to be able to keep an AQ with, with six. Um, and I think that, you know, some of this uh, proposal kind of stems out of that, right? Takes away theoretically, all of those proposals coming through. Um, what it then might open the door to is now the request comes through for five, right? That now we've got six and six is good, but now we only have five because we lost another one and we need um, SLR to look at that waiver request. And now, you know, we're looking at five. So at some point you start to dilute the, um, you know, the amount of teams and then that access ratio that you might have access to for championships too. So I think there's, you know, there's two sides to it. I think Jason really hits a lot of the key points in, in some of the dialogue with the commissioners recently. Part of the, part of the rationale in this is that divisions one and two already have, they have the same number and, and it's not a six being the AQ. That's not a fair comparison. Uh, we've talked about the differences with finances earlier in this, in this discussion, right? So their bracket sizes, the way they bracket, the manner in which they seed, the manner in which the, the money they have is supposed to travel, an opportunity to travel. It's not a fair comparison to say that division three needs to be the same as divisions one and two in that number. And, and the other thing to look at is the average size of a conference. You know, So the question becomes, it's, it's over 10 at, at the division three level. So knowing that, in my mind, at least, I'm not sure where our membership's going to be because we benefit, as, as Stevie said, we benefit on the on the skin in the game for women's women's uh, golf, perhaps. You know, to be able to preserve an AQ that we have in our league, at the same time, you know, to me, I'd love somebody to look at the look at it going the other direction because it really hits on what Jason just said at the end of his statement, which was the access ratio to championships. It's a philosophical debate. Do you want more in from a conference and you're okay with them being six and that diluting the opportunity for at-larges, or would you rather see leagues larger getting the automatics and then having the opportunity for at-larges as a result of that? I Push comes to shove. I'm not sure where the membership would be. In my mind, if you've got a larger league, you would vote this. You, would, you wouldn't be in support of this. But I don't think that's true because I think it comes back to 
a sense of empathy is not the right word, but it's important to recognize that the preservation piece that Stevie talked about is at the forefront of all of this. And part of it is institutions closing and the future of, of higher ed in certain regions and institutions forcing leagues to make very difficult choices with membership shifts because of institutions that are closing. So I really think that's the reason for this is this constant churn in a certain region or regions of the country related to membership and a preservation of those leagues is the real reason why we're talking about it. Do some sports benefit? Yes. Is there a better way for us to review perhaps, and God forbid we'd ever do this, but we've got a chance of actually looking at what the AQ number in a certain sport should be. So maybe it is six in field hockey. Maybe it should be 10 in, in men's or women's basketball because then it creates a better balance of what is an AQ versus what isn't an AQ. And, it, and I don't know if we'll ever get there and it all goes back to the chicken or the egg. Why is it seven? Well, it's close to the ratio. Well, I don't think that's all of the reason why it's seven. I think back then the membership may have been eight. The average number of members in a league in a, may have been eight then, and it's not now. So it's really difficult to kind of go back and you know put the genie back in the bottle on that number. Now it's like, let's do the same thing as divisions one and two. And, and in theory, I, I don't buy that as being a reason to say yes to this. Not to say, again, I think our membership will support it. I'm not sure we're having our meeting on Friday just to, to clarify all of that, but I'm not sure what we'll be, but we're a bigger league. And, and it, does, it doesn't work to our advantage in this situation for this to pass if it were to change the AQ complexion of championships. That's just obvious. I'm just stating the obvious. But, but interesting, you bring up the bigger leagues, but you also brought up securing women's golf because I also would say the bigger leagues yeah. do have some of those sports That's right. that this will help. So it, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. You, it yeah, is. Balancing it is. It. To your point about maybe every sport needs to have its own number, which I think is a tremendously good point, this does maybe have an unintended consequence. And I'm going to bring up that other F word that we brought up earlier. Uh, that starts with eight letters, um, football. There's only five at large in football. You go to six across the board, including football. And I could, from the own, my own work that I've been doing for the past few months, I could foresee two or three of those gone and being AQs just in the next year or two, if not all of them. And I'm not going to say I know for sure all of them. I just know there's a few that would disappear in the next year or two, could should there be an exemption for for a sport like football that just cannot expand any further under the current structure? I, I don't know. And granted, maybe it can. Or to your point, should every sport be reviewing what is an AQ in the definition of that sport? Well, if I, remember, I haven't thought. Go ahead, Stevie. If I remember correctly, the access ratio, though, to set the the championship itself is actually policy. So the number of teams that the football playoff isn't going to change. It's not going to move from 32 simply by moving this. AQ. No, they're locked in. Right. But there may be some leagues to your point that sit at six right now that are eligible for that pool C now. Well, now they're going to be a pool a into that space. I don't know. You know, we've had some discussions. I don't know how many leagues are going to bust up to try and get to a space where they've got, you know, they've had, 14 members, some of these larger leagues, they have 14 members that are playing men's soccer. And now they're going to split and go seven and seven. So that way they can, can take advantage I, of those. Stevie, I'll, I'll put it this way. 
I don't think you'll see necessarily busts up, but I have, and, and this will for, for a future story, I, I don't want to say too much. There's going to be movement where there's at least maybe two or three AQs gobbled up. And you know what? It, there probably should be, if I'm totally honest. If there is a better opportunity for somebody to move, they oh, should sure. do that, Yeah. right? Yeah. But I also think too, like we, you know, you sort of started in terms of, we started talking about football. Football doesn't drive the bus every time at all, at all of our institutions about where they want to go and why they want to be in a multi-sport conference. And to Angel's point, being in a single sport conference can sometimes be pretty expensive. So it, it'll be interesting to see who, who, who makes the move should this be passed. Yeah, and I would envision, you know, conferences that have five schools within their conference that sponsor a sport, right? And they've had a six that have wanted to sponsor it, but has just decided a little bit too pricey. Or you have a conference that has six, but they're kind of split up in different conferences. And now they're like, well, if we just come back together, we're now all under our one umbrella, right? And it's we have a full sponsorship within ourselves. I envision more of that than I do our larger conferences splitting in half for all the sports, right? I think this is more towards a handful of sports within a conference that really doesn't have their primary membership able to get an AQ on its own. Brad, you had a thought earlier. Did you want to go back to that? I, I don't yeah. know. I'm it, setting so, you up. Yeah, this is this is a basketball show, so nobody wants to hear us talk a lot about football. No, it's fine. And, we're gen we're general here. We do everything. Yeah, I, I would I would say to you, it, and this is this is like sacrilege. So if I say it, people will cringe. I'm not sure why football in the state that they're in can't make a case to say that they should have their access ratio. They should ask the question. And, sure, you know, sure. that's the only sport that I'm aware of other than the ones that are capped at 64, where they haven't had an opportunity to, to say that. And does it increase by a week? It does. Same reason why we don't go over 64 for, for some of the other sports. Now we could, you could play in midweek and, and have something that next weekend and, and, you know, some sort of a pigtail kind of environment. But I, I've, I was on the football committee. I chaired the football committee. It was restraint. It was a restraint then. It's a restraint now. And if you what you infer, Dave, may happen, you know, the, the, the lid will be blown off of that conversation because there won't be any at-larges. Or if there will, there'll be one or two. And that that will put a tremendous amount of strain on that football conversation in yes. general. Listen, depending on the perspective of the sport I'm looking at it this from, I've got different opinions on it. I I know we were talking about this off air. Maybe we, we save it. I, I just loved what Brad said, but initially let's just start with initially dropping from seven to six. If I'm in a sport like um, women's lacrosse, men's volleyball or any lacrosse really men, but I, I know there's a conference specific to women's lacrosse uh, men's volleyball, any of the ice hockeys, as you pointed out to me earlier, um, I know I'm forgetting one that oh field hockey. Field hockey, yeah. Baseball, softball. Baseball. If I'm in any of if I'm looking at it from any of those perspectives, dropping to six makes logical sense to try and as one of them put it, make sure the access to the tournament is a little bit more equitable, as it were, to other sports. Yeah. If I'm looking at this from basketball and soccer, I maybe shrug my shoulders. If I'm looking at this from football, 
if, if you're truly understanding the landscape of football, I am not a fan. Yeah. And then, you know, in division three football, I think we have 10 conferences or maybe it's 11 that are seven teams. Um, and you know, to instead, uh, I really, I mean, you mentioned maybe not talking about what Brad Bankston said, but I think it's absolutely well, I was going to get to it. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, it dovetails exactly what you, you just said. I mean, you said, uh, if you're looking at it from a perspective of, a, of one sport, you might think of it differently than if you do of the other. So let's just Let's just build that into the system. I agree. Let's just say football should be eight. I, I don't know if basketball should be 10. That was yeah, who uh, knows? Yeah, that was uh, that was, interesting that was a big number, about, <laughs> right? But I but he was taking the average. Yeah, right. No, exactly. It's true. I mean, there are a couple of really large conferences that skew that average, right? And Brad's, and, and is, it, and it and Brad's is one of them. Yeah, yeah, right. But, you know, uh, but ice hockey at six. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yep. Uh, six field hockey members, six baseball members. I think that's absolutely a, a really good way to go. It's, it's difficult in some parts of the country to field a baseball team, right? Because you can't get out on the field uh, really and play home games until what April 1st in a lot June. of places. <laughs> right. And then selection Sunday is like six weeks later, you're trying to get 40 yeah. games and you get seven games in, in Florida. Yeah. And then you come back and you wait three weeks and you yeah. try to get your other 33 games in, in a, in a blitzkrieg. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of pr- schools don't participate in that. Baseball is kind of a, it's kind of a one-off sport, right? It takes a, it takes a lot of real estate to play. Uh, it takes a good amount of equipment. You end up traveling a lot. Kids made a lot, miss a lot of class time. Not every school is into that. So like the empire eight has really struggled to field uh, a full complement for baseball. That's just one example kind of over the past. Oh, absolutely. Yeah forever. Um, and so there's been a lot of conference movement up there and sure some of it's baseball and schools have tried to add baseball and yes, it hasn't necessarily taken. So I see, I mean, absolutely. I understand that. That makes perfect sense that we do that for a handful of sports. If you do this in football, you are going to have some of these conferences that only that where their members are out playing football somewhere else, because you only have, let's say, I don't know, four SUNYAC members or whatever, sponsor football. Um, what if the SUNYAC then decides, well, we're going to pull, you know, uh, Buffalo state back and we're going to pull Cortland home. And sure. I don't know, maybe we add SUNY maritime cause they're a SUNY school or they're we're not right. SUNYAC, right. And then you've taken an AQ away. Um, and then, you know, uh, and now we're down to four at large bids instead of five. And of course, without, ever talking about the elephant in the room, the elephant as in the jumbos, as in Tufts, as in the NESCAC, yes. taking, taking a football automatic bid, which they are entitled to do, but choose not to because they don't want to play football. But in that the could get changed at the drop of the hat. Absolutely. I mean, right. The, I mean, the, there, are, there are presidents at those NESCAC schools who I think are starting not to lean towards fo- that football. I mean, I mean, are starting to, to, to realize the athletics is just great. And there, I know there are some who are trying to elevate their schools be, through their sports at yeah. the NESCAC. It doesn't mean a tie doesn't change. And also they're like, you know, why aren't we letting football play? Right. And yeah, right. there's another bid gone. Yeah. So what happens if, I mean, like, I don't know what happens if uh, two USA South schools go on and two SAA schools and two schools out of the ASC. Sure. All in the general southeastern part of the country sure. decide we're going to lift our 
our teams out and go do something new in football. They could get an automatic bid if it's six teams and the SAA and the ASC and the USA South would all still have theirs. And now we Absolutely. have 30 automatic bids instead of 32. This is very real. And Dave, I know you know full well that uh, there are there is a conference actively trying to do this and may well succeed if there's a if it's if it's a six team automatic bid. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I I couldn't didn't want to say too much on. But that's that's what I see in front. And and we haven't even talked about what I think is the other elephant that I know bugs the heck out of everybody. Because the questions raised, does 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 a conference get an extra bid? The answer was no. There's one that does because it's a quirk. The math's there that could allow the Mac to have two bids if they wanted to do that. Coming it's, up because a couple of schools are adding football, another school right, added, because, adding football. Yeah, it's not right. an immediate. It, they're gonna. They could be at twelve. They could be. I, it, who knows what team could drop? I don't want to uh, make this a, as an absolute. Okay, there's another bid. I mean, before we're done here, we could come up. And granted, some of it's a little bit on the on the uh, extreme. You could come up with moving almost all those five bids. Yeah, absolutely. It's not impossible to go to to see a scenario where there's 32 automatic bids. Frankly, I mean, the Empire 8 and the Liberty League have been gaming themselves uh, in football for several years. They traded Buffalo State from the Empire 8 to the Liberty yeah. League. Buffalo State is not really a profile of a Liberty League school. No, but the Liberty League takes school. them. <laughs> right. The Liberty League takes them because they need that seventh team right. for the automatic bid. Um there, it is not at all unlikely to see those things continue to happen. And, you know, with those, I think it's 10 conferences. If you took uh, 10 or 11, if you take those teams out, uh, put them in pool B, then you've got, I think it was those 10 conferences. You probably have eight pool B bids. And that seems about right. There's still plenty of championship access for those. Yes. Uh, those 70 schools, uh, lots of opportunities that we uh, get back a couple of at-large bids, which those pool B teams could qualify for, yeah. for pool C bids. That's not impossible. Um, I just feel like eight is the right size for a football automatic bid. That makes some sense. Conferences want to, I mean, conferences really want to have 10 football programs because that makes their scheduling, scheduling real easy. Yeah. Or <laughs> eight is okay because eight's an even number. Right. Um, you don't really want to have seven. It's kind of a mess. True. Um, let's you know, let's legislate the eight football is already different anyway, right? Football is five weeks. Football is locked at 32 teams and can't go any higher. Football is already losing. I mean, it's uh, gonna, it would take another vote to move it to a larger, but we're, and, and Brad said it, it, it would take another week or some ad hoc way of doing it, but that's not a, a clear cut decision as much as presidents love football. Are they going to love doing that? And football already spends, $2.1 million on its tournament. You add another round. Well, you add another round. You're going to add four more teams to the tournament right now. I think we're supposed to have four. Uh, we're supposed to have 36 by, uh, by the access ratio or, th or so. And we only have okay. 32. That's so you're adding certainly two, more doable. You're adding four first round games uh, or you're adding, uh, you know, 28 first round buys. If you prefer, um, play in. <laughs> no, it's not a play in. No, I know. I, know. I use, I use the air quotes. <laughs> I know. Um, so, and, and you know, like the same arguments that were made in, uh, 1999, when we finally got from a four week tournament to a five week tournament is like, you know, it's only going to be two teams that are playing the extra week. Similarly, it's only going to be if we got a six week tournament, which I was just happy to hear uh, Brad Bankson suggest that 
that was not completely impossible. Yeah, no, that was nice to hear. And this is a guy who's been, you know, as he said, not only the football championships chair, but on the division three overall championships committee. So to hear him suggest that that's not completely impossible uh, certainly has to make football fans uh, just a little bit happier than they would be about the rest of this. Yeah. So it it all comes down to perspective and, and I agree with Brad, I would love to see this tabled referred gone back to the drawing board and say, okay, hold on. Let's completely revisit how we access the championship is, are we, is a blanket policy for all sports, the right policy. And it probably isn't. Listen, you don't mess with the access ratio. You leave the access ratio alone. That's fine. That's where your blanket can be legit because it gives you a bedrock. But from that bedrock, build on it per sport. If it needs to be six for the AQ in certain sports, so be it. If it needs to be eight in some sports, great. It needs to be higher. I don't know the magic words there, but that's a good idea. Let's go down that road instead of this overall blanket idea. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately... Or fortunately, in some cases, but uh, in this case, unfortunately, Division Three likes to do it this way, where yeah. it is exactly the same for everything. These are not the same sports. These are apples and Volkswagens. Let's be honest. <laughs> Great example. Um, I'm I'm curious because my conversations are this is going to pass. Um, I've actually been told by people we're voting no, but we're very sure it's passing. Um. I don't know of conversations like this because some of this sounds like is already been rumbling through the division or maybe the eyes aren't open to how this can impact individual sports. Maybe that happens convention week a little bit. And by the time they get to Saturday is remember there's some time with conversations with people and whatnot. Maybe by Saturday, there's finally a hold on a second Maybe this isn't the right move. I, I don't know. I could be completely off my rocker. And by Saturday, this is overwhelmingly voted through. And I know on the football side, people start turning around and looking. They're going to start looking at what happens next. And and maybe, it you know, we'll see what happens. Granted, it won't happen instantaneously. Um, some of it might that's happen. time to, to fix it later. But some of it might happen almost instantaneously. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I we'll see. I you still got to get your ducks in a row sometimes, even even the big moves. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I'll be fascinated if that one I'm definitely going to be keeping a key eye on. I think they stream now the um, the uh, the business session. Um, if they don't, they should be. Uh, I'm hoping to make sure to carve out time to watch those those morning meetings. Well, just someone send someone with uh, with it with Twitch, and we'll get it uh, streamed somehow, right? <laughs> So I know Dave and I have already broken this down a little bit, but I took some notes as I was re-listening to it again. And here are some of those, uh, here's some of those notes. Jason Fine, the athletic director at Bates said, you start to dilute the number of teams and then that access ratio that might have access to the championships too. That's if you start uh, awarding automatic bids to smaller conferences, conferences that don't have the seven teams. Brad Bankston, he's the commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, said, in my mind, if you have a large league, you wouldn't be in favor of this. And Brad uh, and the ODAC is a large league, uh, maybe not in football. It's an average size league in football, but it's a pretty large league overall with a lot of uh, non-football playing members. He also said, we've got a chance to look at what the AQ number in a certain sport should be. Maybe it should be 10 in men's and women's basketball. We talked about that a little bit. 
in the uh, in our discussion, Dave and I did. And then Stevie Baker Watson, that's the AD at DePaul, said, football doesn't drive the bus every time at all of our institutions. And I get it. No, it doesn't. And it it shouldn't, right? That's not in keeping with the Division Three philosophy. I would be willing to concede that even as a football guy. But I think Baker Watson and Angel Mason, they're missing a point here. I laid out a very plausible scenario where two schools might split off from each of three conferences and take an additional automatic bid. So you might think this is just a hypothetical, but it's not. There's a very real conference out there right now that is planning to bring football in-house rather than have its team play football as affiliate members in other conferences. That league is planning in to bring two more schools from another established conference. And here's the thing. If it does so, it would get an automatic bid immediately. This is a very real 28th automatic bid that would get taken as soon as, I mean, probably 2023. It seems a little late in the year for conference realignment to take place for 2022. And football fans should know, we are at the point now where the 2019 national champ was an at-large and was, by all indications, the fifth of five at-large teams in that field. North Central doesn't get in the playoffs at all that year if there had been 28 automatic bids instead of 27. This is not some scare tactic hypothetical I'm dropping on you. This is real. The data argues for football being allowed to conduct its championship under different rules. Football's the only playoff field, as we know, that is locked in at 32 schools and unable to expand. Although it was sure nice to hear Brad Bankston suggest that maybe that's not impossible. If you're a university president or an athletic director voting at this year's convention, let's refer this back for more study. Let's table it. Let's not break football at the expense of helping men's volleyball or field hockey or ice hockey. And if you are a member of the North Coast Athletic Conference, which DePaul is, or a member of the Southern Athletic Association, which Barry is, two people who on that panel just now said they would probably vote in favor of reducing from seven to six, I mean... There is almost no chance that the NCAC or the SAA could get an at-large bid when there was one less uh, at-large bid to go around. I know the SAA got one this year. It's been a little while since the NCAC did before. I don't know how likely it is that Birmingham Southern goes to the playoffs in a four-team at-large scenario. Certainly, it's at least 20% less likely. This was Around the Nation podcast number 301, released on January 19th of 2022. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye out for our continuing coverage throughout this offseason. You can support production of this podcast and the D3Sports.com family of websites in general by visiting patreon.com slash D3Sports. But even if you can't afford to support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, a classmate, a fellow alumnus about the show. And you can rate and review us in the various places where people rate and review podcasts. You can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter. You use the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football. Greg is at Wally Wabash. You can follow Dave and Hoopsville at D3Hoopsville. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. Did you know? Join the conversation by registering to post at D3Boards.com. Also, you can follow D3Football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music is Power 2 by DJ Mentos. We use more of his tracks as well, and you can find them at DJMentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks again to Dave McHugh. Thanks to Angel Mason. Thanks to Jason Fine, to Brad Bankston, and to Stevie Baker Watson. As I said, you can catch that full conversation on Hoopsville. Go to D3Hoops.com to learn a little bit more about that. Thanks to Greg Thomas, my co-host. He'll be back. He'll be back for the 302. 
And thanks to the originator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com, Keith McMillan. I had a conversation with several people recently, just keeping my ear to the grindstone on some things and or ear to the ground or whatever the f- saying is. Yeah, it nose goes to the grindstone. Nose goes, goes, goes to the grindstone. Ear, yeah, that's it, right. Um, and if you put the grindstone just right, you can do Forehead goes to the desk and yeah, palm right. goes to the face. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody.